A day of thanksgiving. That's what we're focusing on here today on this edition of Graceful Truth with our teacher and pastor, Steve Converse. Join us for a day of thankfulness. From Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City, this is Graceful Truth with our teacher and pastor, Steve Converse. We welcome you to the broadcast and would invite you to join us here in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. It's here the Apostle Paul gives us a glimpse of what thankfulness is really all about and why it should be a part of our lives, not just here in November, but every day of every week of every month of every year. After all, we do have much to be thankful for in Christ. Join us again, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 19 and 20, with this edition of Graceful Truth Now. Here once again is our teacher and pastor, Pastor Steve Converse. Today I want to just take the subject of Thanksgiving, and I want to speak to you about a proper perspective on Thanksgiving. Every day should be a day of Thanksgiving, and we want to be looking at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 19 and 20, so you can turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. The following proclamation was made by Governor Bradford in 1623. That was three years after the pilgrims settled at Plymouth. To all ye pilgrims, inasmuch as the great Father has given us this year an abundant harvest of Indian corn, wheat, peas, squashes, and garden vegetables, and has made the forest to abound with game, and the sea with fish and clams, and as much as it is, he has protected us from the raids of the savages, has spared us from pestilence and disease, has granted us freedom to worship God according to the dictates of our own conscience. Now I, your magistrate, do proclaim that all ye pilgrims, with your wives and ye little ones, do gather at your meeting house, on your hill, between the hours of 9 and 12 in the daytime, on Thursday, November the 27th of the year of our Lord, 1,623. And in the third year since ye pilgrims landed on the Plymouth Rock, there to listen to your pastor, render thanksgiving to your Almighty God for all his blessings. This past Thursday was Thanksgiving on the day in which we, like those early pilgrims, set aside time in our busy schedules to give thanks to God. And there's nothing wrong with that, but the Word of God tells us that this should be a continual, everyday event in our lives. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 19 and 20, tells Christians to speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18, Paul writes, Be joyful always, praying continually, giving thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Paul's main subject here is praise, it's thanksgiving. Notice the other important words in these passages, words like always, continually, in all circumstances. It sounds as if Paul is talking about a church service here almost, especially in Ephesians. Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart. But you know what? He's not. He's talking about a continual attitude 
for Christians, an attitude of the heart, how we are to, to be to each other, how we are to treat each other. But how, you may wonder, can we have this attitude continually, especially in all circumstances? Well, I believe the answer lies in our perspective of thanksgiving. To be thankful in all circumstances, we need a proper perspective of our circumstances and of our God. Only then will we be able to give thanks to the Lord always. Now, I believe there's at least three attitudes that steal, that hinder our gratitude. Three things that keep us from being thankful. One is our pride. This is the attitude that says, nobody ever gave me anything and I worked hard for everything I have. For years you studied hard and now it's finally paying off. Well, with this kind of attitude, we feel that we have no one to be thankful to but ourselves. Another attitude that keeps us from being thankful is a critical spirit, someone who's constantly complaining. Instead of being grateful, this person will always find something to complain about. There was a story of a lady who was just an incurable grumbler, constantly complaining about everything. At last, her preacher thought that he had found something in which she could be happy, for her farm crop was the finest for miles around in the countryside. And when he met with her, he said with a beaming smile, You must be very happy, Mary. Everyone is saying how healthy your potatoes look this year. Well, they are looking pretty good, I have to say that. But you know what? What am I going to do when I need the bad ones to feed to the pigs? A third attitude that keeps us from being grateful is carelessness. Someone once said that if the stars only came but once a year, we would stay out all night to watch them. But they're here every night, and we've grown accustomed to that. The Israelites grumbled because they had no food, so God miraculously sent manna, kind of a a crust-like bread, to cover the ground each day, except the Sabbath day. But then they started to grumble because it was the same thing every day. They had a miracle right in front of them, straight from God every day, but they were no longer satisfied. Because of pride, because of carelessness, or because of a critical spirit, we will never be truly thankful for all that God has given us. The great writer Kipling, he was a great writer and a poet, and he wrote various writings that we even enjoy today. And unlike many old writers, Kipling was one of the few who had opportunity to really enjoy his success while he was alive. He also made a great deal of money at his trade. One time a newspaper reporter came up to him and said, Mr. Kipling, I just read that somebody calculated that the money you make from your writings amounts to over $100 a word. Mr. Kipling raised his eyebrows and said, really? I really wasn't aware of that. And the reporter cynically reached down into his pocket and he pulled out a $100 bill and he gave it to Kipling. And he said, here's a $100 bill, Mr. Kipling. Now give me one of those $100 words. Well, Mr. Kipling looked at the $100 bill for a moment and he thought and he took it and he folded it up and he put it in his pocket. And he turned to the reporter and he said, thanks. You know what? He's right. The word thanks is certainly a $100 word. In fact, I would say that it's more like a million-dollar word. It's one word that is too seldom heard and too rarely spoken and too often forgotten. If we all would adopt an attitude of thanksgiving in our lives, our lives would be changed. We would savor each day. If any nation ought to be thankful to God and grateful to his goodness, it ought to be America. If any people in America ought to be thankful to God and grateful for his goodness, it ought to be Christians. I'd like to share with you now three things that we learn about Thanksgiving from the Bible. Three things. First of all, Thanksgiving should be expressed. 
One of the choruses we sing is found in Psalm 100, which says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving in your hearts. David says in Psalm 107, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. We should express our thanksgiving to God and to others. In Luke 17, we read about the ten men who were healed by Jesus of their leprosy. And out of those ten men, only one came back to give thanks. And Jesus asked, Where are the other nine? He was the only one willing to take the time to go back and to say thank you. Because of that, here's what Jesus said to him, Rise and go, your faith has made you well. Have you ever wondered why Jesus said that? I mean, like the others, the man was already physically healed of his leprosy. From the time they they went to show themselves to the priest. But when Jesus says to this one man, your faith has made you well, he wasn't talking just about physical healing. He was talking about a spiritual one, a mental one. This man was truly made whole physically and spiritually. And we too are made whole when thanksgiving comes out of our hearts. Psychologists tell us today that sincere gratitude, thanksgiving, is one of the healthiest of all human emotions. One of the famous professors who studies this, he's the father of stress studies, has said this, that the gratitude produces more positive emotional energy than any other attitude in life. And a thankful heart will endear others to us and us to others. For you see, thanksgiving is not only good for the giver, but it's also for the receiver. God appreciates our thanksgiving. It lifts him up. It glorifies him. And thanksgiving endears him to us. It draws us closer. And if we're not grateful, if we don't express our thanksgiving, then we can have the opposite effect. In Romans chapter 1, verse 21, for example, Paul says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But thinking, but in their thinking became futile, and their hearts were darkened. Their foolish hearts were darkened. This passage seems to imply that people who are ungrateful to God will soon fall away. Their hearts will become hardened. Here we see pride keeping people from worshiping God and being thankful. Now, before we leave the point that thanksgiving should be expressed, let me just share with you a few quick ways that you can say thank you to God. You can say thank you to God when you spend time with him, not just an hour a week on Sunday morning in a church service, but every day of the week. You can say thank you to God when you forgive others, when you serve in the church, when you share his plan of salvation with those who have yet to hear when you reach out to hurting people around you, when you give God your best, and when you praise him enthusiastically from the heart. Well, secondly, our thanksgiving should not only be expressed, but it should be expansive. And as our thanksgiving expands, it should include at least three things. First of all, the blessings of life. The blessings of life. You know, I really love my wife. She's a very, very special lady. She's truly been a blessing to my life and a blessing to so many others who know her. One thing that is really special is that every night she stands in our kitchen and she raises her hands to God and thanks God for the sink full of dirty dishes before her. Well, no, she really doesn't do that. Who does? But you know what? Maybe we should. A sink full of dirty dishes usually means that we have been blessed by God 
with daily food, with water. Do you realize that two-thirds of the world goes hungry to bed every night? Our prayers are often so very general. We say, thank you, God, for all your blessings. But what blessings are we really thankful for? You remember the hymn, count your blessings, name them one by one, count your blessings, see what God has done. Well, our thanksgiving should also include the burdens of life, not just the blessings of life, but the burdens of life. And this, frankly, is a tough one. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, give thanks in all circumstances. Paul writes again in Ephesians 5.20, always giving thanks. You may think, well, surely Paul made a mistake. Or even that was that it was easy for him somehow to say that. You know what? It really wasn't. Paul suffered for some, through some very difficult situations. One in particular, he calls a thorn in the flesh. He had been run out of town. He had been beaten. He had been whipped. He was imprisoned. He was betrayed by his friends. At one point, he says he was naked, cold, hungry, shipwrecked, and stoned, all because of his faith. And yet Paul never stopped giving thanks. Paul said several things that really show that he had a proper perspective of the burdens of life. In Romans 8.18, he writes this, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. Also in 2 Corinthians 12.10, he writes, That is why for Christ's sake I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Also in Philippians 1.12, he writes, Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. When we, like Paul, have the proper perspective on our situations, we can give thanks in all circumstances. I remember hearing of a dear woman who's 35 years old. She had just finished college. She's mother of three boys. She had a new job with GTE. And she, as the story goes, she developed lupus. Well, to make a long story short and to the point, her husband left her. Her oldest son was put in jail for dealing drugs. She lost so much weight, she couldn't even hold her head up. She couldn't get in and out of the bathtub by herself. One day she told a friend that this was really a blessing. All these circumstances allowed her to spend more time with the Lord. And even when she was in the hospital for some time, she concluded that God wanted her there to maybe to share with someone who is yet to hear about Christ. See, in our weaknesses, God can make us strong. When we're struggling, God is able to work in our lives. He helps us through times that we could never have faced on our own. I never thought that I would say this, but I've learned to be thankful in difficult circumstances that our family has faced over the years. I didn't say I'm thankful for the difficult circumstances, but I am thankful in difficult circumstances. I don't believe Paul is saying here that we have to be thankful for our problems, but rather he's saying be thankful in them. And being thankful in them allows God to use them for his greater good. Even the Philippian jailer was ready to take his life because an earthquake freed his prisoners. But what saved him was the attitude of Peter and Silas during their difficult imprisonment. They were singing and praising God even though they were in their chains. But they knew God and that he would help them through it. And because of their joy, the jailer and all his household became Christians. 
Understand, others can come to Christ because of your example, especially in the midst of difficult times. Our thanksgiving should include the benefits of life as well. Not only the blessings and the burdens, but the benefits. When the Israelites focused on what they didn't have, they failed to see all that they did have. See, we're constantly adding to our prayer lists. But more than anything, we should be adding to our praise lists. Songwriter, Christian songwriter Jeff Moore, sings a song in which at the beginning of a new day, he says this. The lyrics go, Well, I wonder what today we'll see. Will I find my dreams or stare in the face of tragedy? Whatever may come, whatever may be, of this I am sure. I'm forgiven and free, and I will live like I believe. It's good to be alive. It's good to be alive. To feel the wind in my face, see the blue in the sky. It's days like these I realize what a gift it is. It's good to be alive. Many of us have had some difficult times. Maybe some of you have even had times that we have despaired of life itself. But if you really step back and you look at all the benefits of life, I think that you're going to find that it is good to be alive. It is good to take that next breath, to feel the wind in our face, to see the sunrise, to fall in love, to see our newborn child for the first time, to feel our child or parent or even a friend hug us and tell us that we're special. It's good to be alive. An experiment was done in New York Central Park one year when an advertising firm dressed a man up as a blind man, they gave him a cup to collect money. And one day they put a sign around his neck that read, I'm blind. And on that day, he collected $4. The next day, they dressed up the same man the same way, and they put him out in the same park. But this time, the sign read, it's spring, and I'm blind. You know, on that day, he collected nearly $40. That day, those people realized how blessed they were by the beautiful flowers that they could see and the birds and the sunrise and the sunset. See, sometimes as Christians, there are other benefits of life. And we can be sure that we are forgiven and we're free and that it is good to be alive. Not only should our thanksgiving be expressed and be expanded, but it should also be expected Paul says that we are to give thanks in all circumstances because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is God's will for us, beloved. And he knows if we will do it, if we will give thanks, that our lives will be changed. Well, you know what? Giving thanks because it's expected, this is a mark of a growing Christian. Stop and think about little babies, for example. You can take a little baby who's fussing and and walk with them for hours trying to calm their, t- their spirit, and finally they fall off to sleep. But that baby never comes back and says, thank you, Mom, for spending all those hours walking me around in the middle of the night to calm my spirit. More than likely, they'll just sometimes cry louder the next time. See, a child has to be taught to be thankful. It doesn't just come naturally. Sometimes you have to almost force them to say thank you. And when we realize how blessed we are by others and by God, and we express that, that means we're growing. Our thanksgiving is also a mark of a giving Christian. 
when we stop and we realize how much God has done for us and how much he has given us and continues to do for us on a daily basis, we should be more than happy to give thanksgiving back to him. And it comes through our time and it also comes through our financial giving. Someone has said that for thanksgiving to be real thanksgiving, there must be thanks and there must be giving. You know, in this last year, our church has truly been blessed by God. Even in the midst of our economy, our people have given sacrificially to the ministry. And just as God has blessed us, so should we bless his work by our giving. James 1.17 says, every good gift and every perfect gift. Do you have any good gifts in your life? It says they're from above and comes down from the Father of lights. One thing that dawned on me one time when talking about giving We go to a restaurant, and when we're served and and we offer a tip to the waitress, we usually give 15, 20%. That's just kind of the normal thing nowadays. But for some reason, when we come to the church and we're giving to our God, our creator, a lot of people have an issue even giving 10% of all the good gifts that he has given us. See, we need to ask ourselves, are we truly thankful? Remember, God loves a cheerful giver. Thanksgiving is the mark of a growing Christian and a giving Christian, but it's also the mark of a glowing, glowing Christian. If you're thankful to God, then you will be glowing. You will not be constantly critical and pessimistic, but eternally thankful through the difficult times that are ahead. They will not break you. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4.8, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So what do we do? We fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. I'm reminded of the story of Henry Frost, who served for many years as a missionary to China. And in his journal, he wrote of a very difficult time in his life. And he said this, I had received sad news from home and deep shadows had covered my soul. I prayed, but the darkness did not vanish. I summoned myself to endure, but the darkness was only deepened. Then I went to the inland station and I saw on the wall of the mission home these words, try thanksgiving. And you know what I did? And in a moment, every shadow was gone, not to return. You see, the psalmist was right. It is good to give thanks unto the Lord. Have you been going through a difficult time? Have you prayed, but those difficult times are still there? Have you told yourself to keep on going and it would someday disappear, but it only got deeper? I would encourage you to try thanksgiving. It is a good thing, truly, to give thanks unto the Lord. Well, it's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. We trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come out and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m., and we offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children through grade 5. If you'd like to encourage us here at the Graceful Truth program, give us a call at the Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. 650-366-9923 or visit our website gracefultruth.org and now to close out our time together once again here's pastor steve converse thanks andy most people are familiar with american pastor zaid abedini who is being held in an iranian prison due to his faith in christ 
We will be hosting Pastor Zaid's wife, Nagme, on Saturday, November 16th at 10 a.m. here at Grace Bible Church, Redwood City. She will be sharing her testimony of how her and her children are dealing with this tremendous ordeal and how God continues to work in spite of her husband's persecution. Coming to Grace Bible Church, Redwood City, on Saturday, November 16th at 10 a.m., Nagme Abedini to share her testimony. This event is free. We will be taking up a love offering for Nagme's ministry. We also will be offering a free continental breakfast at 9 a.m. for those interested in arriving early. Visit us on the web for more information, gracebibleonline.org. And with tomorrow being the celebration of Veterans Day, during this Veterans Day, may we pause to remember the sacrifices our soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, and Coast Guardsmen have made in serving our nation where and when they were needed. From one generation to the next, young men and women have willingly joined the ranks of America's armed forces. Aware of their obligations as citizens of the greatest nation on earth, they answered its call. They served the United States with courage and commitment. For more than two centuries, our American military forces have preserved the liberty our forefathers earned by their willingness to fight for it, whatever the cost. Our military forces have a long and proud history filled with tradition and pivotal moments in service to our nation. From the battlefields of Lexington and Bunker Hill to Normandy and Manila and beyond, our American military forces have stood firm against those who would deny basic human dignity to others. We honor each of you. America's veterans, who serve so faithfully and honorably through your sacrifices, you have secured for millions of others the blessings of freedom, democracy, and unmatched opportunity that we enjoy here in the United States today. May each of you have a safe Veterans Day. God bless each of you and your families. God bless our military forces, and God bless the United States of America. Thank you, Steve. Until next time, God bless. God bless.